2: A special two-day weekend bereavement course will be held next month in the Nanonagel Centre in Cilavollam and it's specifically been run to help people heal after the death of a loved one from COVID. To talk about the course, I'm joined by one of the facilitators and that's Kay O'Mahony. Good morning to you, Kay. Good morning, Patricia. No, How you're, are you? I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. And um, I, I love the, the, the name you've put on the, this two-day course. I wasn't ready to say uh, goodbye. Um, yeah. Who would you like to see attend this course, Kay?
1: Well, Patricia, <coughs> excuse me. This course is for the person who has lost a loved one during COVID-19. And it offers them support to grieve in their own unique way and in a supportive and non-judgmental place. It's a practical, instructive and gentle approach which enables each person to grieve with the understanding that one doesn't simply get over it but deals with the different stages of grief at different times down the road and it helps them to understand all our different feelings and to realise that these feelings are normal and they're part of the grief process.
2: So it's not just if you lost a loved one because of COVID. It's for anyone who lost a loved one during the pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And because so many, okay, were not able to be with their loved ones at the time of uh, death. And, and I've spoken with some of those families on the programme over the last uh, two years. Has that made coping with their grief, do you think, even harder? Oh
1: God, most certainly it has because they were not allowed to be with their loved ones at this critical time in their illness, and also in their final days, it has left behind so many unanswered questions. There was nobody to talk to as the country was in lockdown. They hadn't the usual freedom even to go to a doctor. The churches were closed, and it has left the griever with anger, frustration, and feelings of being very resentful, and also, deeper than that, wondering. If in their final moments, did their loved ones know they were thought of every day and loved so much? And then, then, from the patient's point of view, it must have been a heartbreaker, knowing that in any given day, there would be no family member calling on them. No, I just need to put something in here. Yeah,
2: that's heartbreaking. The way way you've, you've put that, particularly about family members... Wondering did their loved ones know that they were loved yeah cause cause yeah. that and that's exactly any of us who have been in that position to be with a loved one as they're passing. It's probably the last thing you say to the person, isn't it? yeah, just to hold
1: their hand and be with them
2: yeah, i, I like I remember one family talking about being outside the window of the nursing home. Looking in at their mother passing away and, and one of them realising, I, I think mam is gone. They just realised that the breathing had stopped and she was in a room on her own. And I just, the picture of it was just, and, and there was also the regrets, Kay, around the lead up to a loved one passing away. People weren't able to get in, uh, you know, in the weeks and months in many cases. That's
1: right. That's talked about it. That was talked about 24-7 on radios and televisions. That was the way it was. And I need to say, like, from feedback I have received, I have yet to hear of one criticism, just one criticism I haven't heard, against the medical staff. All have said that their commitment to the COVID patient went far beyond being excellent.
2: Yeah, people understood we were, we were unfortunately in, in a, a very different situation that we never, ever wanted to be in uh, again. And then the loved one passed away, uh, Kay, and funerals were very different. And funerals are very much a part of our grieving process, aren't they? Yeah,
1: very much so. And just to go with myself first, you know, I have lost at my age, I have lost many people I've loved in my life. And I've been able to take my time and grieve for them. I was was allowed to be with them during their illness and be there when they passed away. I was able to let relatives and friends know they called and talked about the happenings. We laughed and we cried together when making out the eulogy. And in the reading it out, it was so supportive to look down and see so many familiar faces. At the graveside, we chatted about bygone days and that was such a support for me. We went back to have something to eat afterwards, and there was such healing. Now, contrast that with losing a loved one during the COVID pandemic. What was it like to do the eulogy and look down to see a handful of people in the front row of the church? People were not allowed to visit their loved ones. Some of them were actually dying at the time, what you were saying a minute ago. There was only a few people allowed into the church. And thinking about the eulogy is the tough one. Instead of healing, it has brought up guilt and resentment in the midst of all their pain. And talking to some bereaved people, many feel huge anger and they feel empty and alone.
2: Yeah, I mean, even down to at funeral, there was no, you couldn't hug. Even family couldn't. Anybody, couldn't yeah. yeah, I remember um, hearing of a family who had there was 10 siblings and it was at the time where 10 were allowed and their dad had died from COVID, unfortunately. And it was the, the very early stages where it was a body bag. They didn't even get to see their father. It was a sealed coffin. They went straight to the cemetery. And I heard one of the sisters say, you know, we couldn't even hug each other. And we all walked out of that cemetery and we got into 10 different cars and went home. And I just thought, oh, my God, your grieving process is going to take it. it, 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 it I, I assume it adds to the grieving process, does it? Kay? Would it just take longer to get over that kind of grief?
1: Absolutely. That all that has be before the stages of grief, all that has to be dealt with. And think of the loneliness of getting into your own car and driving home knowing your mom or your dad or a close relative is gone you can't talk to anybody
2: about yeah. it only on the phone. Yeah, whereas, whereas, whereas the picture you painted there of going back to a house or back to a venue and, and, you know, everybody reminisces about remember when he or she did that or I remember when I had a conversation. All of that was, was, was taken away from people. Um, At your course, K, with the people attending, will they have a chance to share their own story and does sharing your own story help, the gr- help in the grieving process? Well...
1: Everyone will get time, Patricia, to share their story. Um, Because one of the best ways to work through grief is to tell your story over and over again in a safe and a sacred place. And that is what we will offer the group. Our story is a very special part of who we are, as you know. And during the weekend, we will look at feelings and how they can affect us. And we will look at what happened to us psychologically, physically, emotionally and spiritually. We will look at memories and forgiveness and self-care and the different ways we can self-care and what happens when we don't.
2: And Kay, am I right in saying there's no right or wrong way to grieve?
1: Uh, Patricia, everyone's grief journey is different. Yeah, We all grieve in different ways. And when I hear people saying somebody dies, belong to them, they say, I know how you feel. They haven't a clue how that person feels. At best, they know how they felt when their loved
2: one died. Yeah, and there's no time span on grief. Sure, there isn't. Absolutely not. No. And even even within a sibling group, somebody, one family member, can appear to get over the bereavement quicker than somebody else. But but sure, yeah. Yeah, but you never know what's going on in the other person's head, or the. And we
1: don't. Yeah, and we don't. Yeah, you, we you. Ten siblings in the family, and you know, being raised into one family, they've ten different experiences.
2: And they'll all grieve. They'll all grieve. They uh, all grieve differently.
1: They, they all grieve. <laughs> and then, and the whole
2: grief process. And I know it's something that we've often discussed with Joe uh, Joe jo Heffernan on our slash with Joe on, on a Tuesday. There's so many different stages, isn't there? To the to the there is. to there the to the grief and process. We, we will
1: go through each stage, and find out how where on the grief cycle each person is. And there's huge healing in that when they can say, you know, I'm in the depression stage, I'm in the guilt stage, I'm at the anger stage. And what that's like for them, you know.
2: And more than anything, I think it's to get the message across to everybody this morning who's identifying with what you're saying. This is not, what you're going through is normal.
1: Totally normal. You know, grief is a wound circular. We can never get around it. We have to go through the very core of grief. Experience it in order to heal.
2: Well, and Brie, you are a bereavement um, counsellor, Kay. Uh, I okay. Patricia, um, yeah. How does bereavement counselling, do you think, help people following the death of a loved one?
1: Well, you know, quite recently it's amazing you ask that question because quite recently I asked different people that same question. And they said they found grief counselling amazing, an amazing experience. And one man went on to say that when his loved one died way back in COVID, in the early stages of it, he felt he was plunged or catapulted into a black box with no light and he felt he could not get out of that box. And bit by bit by bit, through the weeks of counselling, there was little bits of light came in until eventually the box opened and he said it was like a little bird that could into a blue sky. And I thought that was amazing to describe it like that.
2: Gorgeous description. Gorgeous, gorgeous description. And how, how is there a right time for how soon after a bereavement should you go for counselling?
1: Well, the first year of our loss is one of pain, shock, trauma and lots and lots of tears. So try not to expect too much from yourself. There's a popular expression which says, grief is a marathon, not a sprint. And as grief can impact on so many areas of our lives, including our own physical health, we need to be compassionate with ourselves. It won't always be this difficult. The grief of this loss can be exhausting, confusing, painful and very often debilitating. And if this is the way it is for you, please please reach out and seek help. Seek a counsellor. Look up, find a therapist, talk to them and see if they suit you. And the best type of therapy for you is what works, what you prefer and what yields the best results to your seeking. We don't always feel comfortable opening up to a family member for fear of upsetting them. Therefore, we tend to carry it all alone. So finding a suitable therapist can have an amazing healing effect, Patricia. Yeah. The time between you and the therapist is for you alone. This space with your therapist is reserved for you and nobody can invade it. It's a place for you to open up and share your deepest thoughts and feelings and be listened to at a very deep level. It's a place where whatever happened in the previous week or so can be brought and discussed and respected. And confidentially, I say, and being listened to are huge are of huge importance to the client therapist relationship. Therapy, Patricia, is not a sign of weakness. Absolutely. it shows the courage the human being has to want to get up and move forward in the face of pain, fear, and hurt.
2: Okay, well said. Just stay there because I want to bring in Eilish. One of our listeners has uh, contacted us. Uh, good morning, Eilish. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Now you you are the. Uh, Exactly the family that Kay is talking about. You lost your your gorgeous husband right in the middle of the pandemic.
3: January 2021, he left left home on the 1st of January in an ambulance. And we brought him back in a sealed coffin to be buried alone. Um, He died of COVID-19. I couldn't say enough for the medical staff above, but we didn't see him for three weeks three weeks and for two of those weeks I didn't even speak to him on the phone because he was um a CPAP mask where he couldn't he couldn't speak and then he went he went downhill um and he passed away on the twenty first of January uh twenty twenty one. we did we did sit with him for an hour. We got in for an hour. His last hour.
2: My God. And then the funeral?
3: And um, then he, a reality strikes, Patricia, because when you ring the undertaker, he tells you that, no, you can't have an open coffin. He will be put into a bag, a double bagged, and put into the coffin and brought down home, brought down to the church. Nobody else touches him. My sons couldn't even carry their desks. Oh,
2: my God. That's dreadful. And so many families, unfortunately. um, Yeah, we're not the
3: only ones. We're not the only ones. Uh, The only positive thing about not being able to carry the coffin, well, there was only 10 of us in the church, is I was able to walk him down the aisle with my sons. I have to take a positive out of that. Um, And our neighbours and friends. (laughs) I'd be here all day. But we buried him. um, And we had a small discussion at the grave and the four of us including my mum came home in here, in the home. My two sons, my mum and myself, and sat with a meal prepared by a friend.
2: That was worth the kindness. It was it was a friend yeah, left a meal the day before or something. Yeah. yeah.
3: Couldn't even bring it in. They left it outside. <sighs> and I had lots of those friends over the three weeks. That we were here locked down we were in lockdown because my mum was Covid positive the same weekend as John was um, so we were um, in lockdown for two weeks uh, but my friends I'm telling it I'm still thanking them and still being so grateful to them
2: That's where family and friends and community comes in yeah. isn't it Eilish? Oh
3: yeah yeah absolutely they, They were brilliant, as much as they could be, um, from outside the door. Uh, But it's just, I heard having that interview with that lady. I'm doing okay. We're do we are doing okay, Um, because of the support I have locally in my family. Um, But yes, there are people I'd say that probably can't deal with grief in the way. The first year was terrible, and I found the start of this year. something, I don't know, I, I, when I go to the grave, definitely he tells me what to do. I believe
2: in that and he's our angel. Well, what, what, what was his name Eilish? John, John, John. Malik. Yeah. May John rest in peace. May John go rest in peace. peace. Listen and thank you for sharing your story. Stay strong. Thanks Patricia. Thanks God bless. for airing everything that needs, needs to be aired on your programme. I know, that's our privilege. Thanks, um, thanks Eilish. Thank God you. bless. God bless. And Kay, uh, that's just heartbreaking but uh, but lovely to see friends and because and you know there's that and, and we hear this so often as well uh, when you meet somebody after a bereavement mm-hmm. and people not knowing what to say, people not knowing what to do, her neighbour leaving the food outside the yeah. front door, they couldn't go in because of COVID times a simple gesture like that can mean the world to a bereaved family Huge,
1: absolutely Absolutely huge, and I remember one lady telling told me that <coughs> her little girl was killed in a car accident, by a car, and she said eight months later, her friend was out for coffee with her one day, and the friend said to her, but you're grand now, you look lovely. I mean, how hard is that? Oh, how cruel is that? A lot of people, we don't know what to say. We're told a lot of things in school, and we learn an awful lot. We're not told to deal with humanity when it hits us at that level and at
2: that level, you know so even that line of I don't know what to say to you is enough yes. to say some, uh, sometimes
1: that is huge just to put your hand on somebody's shoulder is not I mean what can anybody say at that particular time nothing
2: Okay, your course is running, uh, it's called, I wasn't There's one more thing, if I may, if I may,
1: and it's about group therapy. That is more strongly advised, as each person in sharing is supported by the other. And as we said, sharing our story helps their feelings of loneliness and isolation. And if you find a group near you or online, I would strongly advise it. More so than counselling, even earlier on. Because in a group, anything that's human is mentionable. And anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. <clears throat> we can talk about our feelings and become less overwhelmed, and less obsessed and less scary. And the people we trust with our, sacred, with our story help us to let us know we are not alone.
2: Okay, well said. You're running this. It's a a two day weekend course, Saturday and Sunday, 17th and 18th of September. It's in the wonderful uh, Nanonegal birthplace in uh, Kilavollen. We have your contact number uh, if anybody is uh, looking for it. I wasn't ready to say goodbye, surviving, coping and healing after the uh, death of a loved one during the pandemic. We wish you luck with it, um, Kay. And thank you. Thank you for sharing so much with us this morning uh, as well. Uh, I think that was important. Um, Thanks for joining us. So Much for inviting me, Patricia. Good morning to Bye bye. That Bye-bye. is uh, Kay uh, O'Mahony, who is a bereavement uh, counsellor. 0818 103 103. John Paul takes your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103, 103 Court today on
0: C103 with Corrigan Insurances McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie